Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Betfair's Weighed In podcast. After three days at Cheltenham November meeting, a big me- weekend over in Ireland too, at Navan mainly. As a result, we have a huge amount of racing to get through and some little news stories as well. So as always, plenty to discuss on the show. Usual thing, recording midday on Monday morning. And I'm joined as always by Kevin Blake, Brendan Duke and Tony Calvin. Brendan, you've got a nice bonny wee little shirt on there. Like it. I don't, it's I don't, you're, you're always very complimentary about my attire. Thank you. I, mean, I need it. I'm in, I'm in middle and L form. I had an, an inept tipping performance this weekend. I had an earworm all weekend. But on the positive side of things, there were very good crowds in Navan, and I'm going for a haircut today. So hopefully I'll get the reverse Samson and my mojo will return. I love that. I love that. <laughs> a, a haircut can do that to a man. Yes, yes. DC, you've also dressed up for the morning as well. Anybody <laughs> watching on YouTube, you've put on what looks like my dad's jumper that my granny knitted. <laughs> no, I agree. There's nothing wrong with that. And says the woman in her freebie top. I am. Um, sure. cut. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had something a bit thick because I'm uh, I'm a bit poorly, so I'm oh, I'm going to have a COVID test after this. I've oh, never had a headache like God. I had all right. Last. And Kevin, you're back to being car park Kev because it is, of course, that time of year. Sales season is upon us, so I'm taking a wild stab in the dark that you may well be in the Goffs car park currently, just waiting for yeah. a knock on the window. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the Goffs full sale is underway uh, in the general region behind me. So, yeah, on we go. On we go, indeed. Right, we're going to bounce around a fair bit here, guys. So wits about you, please. Loads of racing to get through and really in no particular order except the order that Barry Orr has put this running order together in. So let's kick off with yesterday. John Bon, very impressive in the Schlur chase, beating Edward Stone, uh, has been cut for the Betfair Tingle Creek to one to four from one to two and is now five to two for the champion chase from five uh, from five to one. Now, Brendan, the question that I ask you is the resounding opinion on track when beaten connections were interviewed and winning connections was that that form was rock solid, e.g. all horses ran their race and John Bond is just that much better than them. Would you mm. agree with that? Well, I, I'd be surprised if Edward Stone ran to 170 because they, if, if that's the case, John Bond has run to some, a scandalous number. But there's no doubt. I mean, I had this race completely wrong in terms of predicting what the market would do and predicting what might happen in the race. And John Bond was wildly impressive. I mean, he, he, he jumped like a bunny. He did no problem at the trip. He travelled all, all over them and uh, scooted away up, up the hill. Uh, you couldn't be anything but impressed. Uh, he's unlikely to face Edward Stone, I'd say, in the in the Tingle Creek. So Oppo's pretty thin on the ground there. Captain Guinness, maybe, but I can see why he's a shorter price as he is because he's, he, he, I don't think he's going to have to do anything more than he did in Cheltenham at the weekend to be winning a Tingle Creek. And there's probably, well, there's probably only really one horse for them to worry about in the champion chase as well. So they'd be absolutely cock-a-hoop with John Bonno wager. Yeah, the feeling did seem to be that. Cock-a-hoop indeed. And Brendan, you will be fired unless you call the Tingle 
Tingle Creek. It's proper name of the Betfair Tingle Creek. Ah, uh, yes, 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 yes. Every time. Um, TC, you're always putting a pin in the old balloon. Do you, Can you crab, do you want to crab John Bon in any way or are you as hyped about him as everyone else seems to be? I don't think the form has a solid look to it because I can't believe anything behind him ran their race. But Oh, okay, okay. But, but obviously he won by a street, didn't he? So the, re the rest were in the different parish. So um, you can't crab him for that. Um, I had a look at the Tingle Creek, of the Betfair Tingle Creek betting. And um, I can't believe after the performance at the weekend that Captain Guinness is available at five to one each way, one, two, three places. Now, if the trainer came out and said, Captain Guinness is going for the Betfair Tingle Creek, then I think it will be five to two tops because there's only 10 runners in it at the moment. And I thought Captain Guinness was wildly impressive. So um, if the trainer did mention the Betfair Tingle Creek afterwards, so I would be far more interested in a filthy each way bet at five to one, Captain Guinness, three places than the falls on John Bond because um, he hasn't got that much to find with John Bond. He was second to him in the celebration chase. Captain Guinness was third in the race last year. Um, yeah, that was that was that was the price that uh, that interests me. But factored into that is we don't know exactly if Captain Guinness is going to go for the Betfair Tinkle Creek. Mm, interesting, interesting. Now, Kev, you can have the sort of general look then at the Betfair Tingle Creek and the two mile open division as a whole. Uh, Captain Guinness, as uh, TC said, you know, having won the Fortria chase at Navin at the weekend in such impressive style, Dysart Dynamo disappointing a little bit. But is Captain Guinness one of those horses that we kind of continuously overlook because he just doesn't have quite the same attractive profile as so many of those two mile chasers? Well, look, it's, it's fairly simple with him in that he's looked to be a few nudges below the top level for a long time. There is a possibility that he's a bit better. Um, you know, he seemed a bit better at the back end of last season, uh, and that was a really good comeback. Look, you, I'd have some reservations about the form now. Dicer Dynamo um, was disappointing. Um, so, look, I, I spoke to Henry less than a fortnight ago, and he was kind of talking, you know, start off in the first tree and then maybe go to Leopardstown. He I wouldn't say he'd take a load of convincing now because he didn't seem he didn't seem convinced that the horse particularly likes Leopardstown, but he was saying look the program is what it is and we might be obliged to go there. So um I didn't hear any comment from him after the weekend, but he, he might not take loads of persuading. Um I I I'll put that I'll put a pin in the balloon on John Bond. Um I wasn't Ooh. I wasn't as excited about him as Manny. I think it was one of those, Vanessa, that um, you know that beautiful camera shot they have there. I think it's at the fort last, um, where the camera is over the top of the fence, and he just put in like his best leap of the race, a spectacular leap where he took lengths out of them. And I think when that happens, everyone kind of goes, oh, "Here we go!" And everything after that, it doesn't really matter how impressive or unimpressive they are after that. It puts people in a positive frame of mind, Vanessa. And I think that's what we saw because Edward Sloan, um, Edward Sloan was given a very easy time of it, wasn't it? Like, geez, if it was, if it was. If he was trained by Charles Burns in a in a in a, in a beginner chase, he'd be having him in like you know he was <laughs> he, he didn't pick up his stick until the run in and gave gave him only a little a little tip. Um, I, I thought he was given a very considerate reintroduction. Um, and John Bond did his thing. Um, jumped a little bit left through the race, a little bit worse late on. Um, for me, he maybe didn't do any more than we saw from him at his best last season, which is very good. 
but I just wouldn't be going into overdrive saying, oh, this is, you know, he's beaten 167 horse for 10 lengths. So I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be in that camp myself. Um, so if that counts as a as a balloon prick or a balloon squeeze, at least, um, that that's that's what I'll do because um, I, I wasn't, I I'm not getting fooled by the by the by that positive frame of mind everyone was in after that jump at the forward last. Yeah, okay, I like that bit of leveling out there, and it is interesting. People were kind of really waxing lyrical, and I think I was probably more on the positive side than the negative side. But good to get the full opinions on this show as we would always expect let's roll on uh let's go to stage star actually just to keep it a little bit um in a rhythm of open chasers stage star has been cut for the Ryanair having won the Paddy Power Gold Cup on Saturday is now four to one from the for the Ryanair from 12s has also been cut for the Gold Cup the Ryanair very much been pinpointed by Paul Nichols as the target end of season target race for stage star uh everyone saw the drama at the last the mistake he made and how he picked himself back up Brendan again we'll start with you here mm. um I feel like this horse maybe didn't quite get the recognition he deserved at some stages last season, but now he really is because that performance and the comeback from the mistake, people really seem to be able to appreciate what he did there and how much he must have had left in the tank to come back from that mistake at the back of the last. And your man caught yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, Harry, I don't know what Harry has to do because that's twice in three weeks. He, he tried to do the same thing with Brave Man's game. Just let them. He knew the horse was fatigued. I'll just let you get in short and we'll pop it. And the horses are jumping out of his hands. I, I mean, if I could say anything to these horses, it's listen to Harry. The man can do no wrong. But anyway, in general, Stage Star was an absolute joy to watch. A bold jumping performance amongst many other bold jumpers. The real, the real backer uh, included. I, I, yeah, I suppose it's a fair point you make about last. Last year, he 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 ran in a handicap at the uh, January meeting in, in in Cheltenham, and then goes on and wins the the the, the Turners with Elliot's horse di- disappointing. So perhaps he he didn't get the, the the credit, but this was this was a savage performance of what what I thought was a stiff ass from from the handicapper. And again, his his jumping just stands out. So I guess that this is this has to be the end of handicap surely now, and that all roads lead to the Ryanair. Where I mean, Alaho is the gatekeeper, of course. Uh, for, for, for that race, but he's unlikely to run into a peak form. Alaho could he cope with a slightly diminished Alaho? I certainly wouldn't rule it out. Yeah, it'll be if if they, you know, I mean, we're reluctant. It's just only focus on the festival. We get a bit of stick for doing that, but that angle of you know he's this like progressive, upwardly mobile, open chaser, and Alaho, you know, he needs to well is on that comeback run basically this season. It's just an interesting, different dynamics, different profiles in that two and a half mile division. Um, TC, would you have anything else to add in regards to stage style? Where might he go? Like what's the middle season target? If the Ryanair is the end and the Paddy Power Chase was clearly the target to start the season, what's the middle bit of the season? I don't know. Nichols said... I think he said after the race, we're not going to run again for eight weeks. So he's obviously got a stepping stone to the Ryanair in mind. Um, I don't know what that will be. But um, yeah, I mean, that was obviously, I don't know what the handicap will do. He won that off 155. He's probably value for about eight lengths at least, isn't he? So given the mistake. So yeah, devilishly impressive, wasn't it? And um, yeah, justified. I think he's 
trimmed into 72 for the Ryanair now with a sports book and uh, I can't really quibble with that just behind Alaho and the betting. But yeah, um, very impressive. You don't, There's no need for Viagra when Cobden's riding like that for you, Brendan, is there? Wow. Oh, no. wow. Yeah, no. Absolutely. The way I mean, I mean, just I just all weekend. The man, the man's a magician. I compared him actually. I I made a tweet this weekend. I said basically he's a cheat code at this stage. It's not fair. So certainly <laughs> there might be some competition for him in terms of jockeys in Ireland, but the jockeys in England, they're, they're just he's in a different league to them. I bet you had a hot flush when he was riding Bird at Rose as well, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the love affair between Brendan and Harry. It's great. Um, the boy, the boy Cobden, the boy Cobden. Cobden would get very, very, very worried, wouldn't he, if Brendan goes up to him and starts whispering the boy in his ear, wouldn't he? Jesus. He doesn't get worried, Tony. He apparently he's the most rancho relaxo man. And we, we could ask Vanessa. I mean, she, she's met him. He just sort of walks around. Just everything comes easy to him, which is true, actually. Everything does come. Probably thinking about cattle. Not about cattle. Rancho <laughs> relaxo. I've never heard that one before. Cattle, land and shooting, I, I get the impression, is is oh, what he's okay. probably in his mind. And maybe a few other things as well. But Kev, uh, just last last word on Stage Star. What what would that middle season target be if you had the race planning book at Ditchy? Oh, geez, it's tough now because um, Nichols is clearly convinced that he needs to go left-handed. Right. So where do you where do you go? Because your two kind of mid-range options in the UK now are... Um, the Sylvianaco Conti at Kempton, which is the wrong way around. The Ascot, the Betfair Ascot Chase, which is the yeah. wrong way around. Um, so I don't know what to do unless you're happy to go up and trip, which I don't know if he'd be jumping and hopping about going up and trip because if he did, he could go for the, the Cotswold Chase at Cheltenham or, or maybe the Denman at um at Newbridge. He's, there's a lot of races named after Paul Nichols' horses, isn't there? Um, so I just read that Nichols yeah. said he wouldn't lose any sleep if he went straight to the Ryanair. Oh, Barry's just letting us know as well that he is actually yeah. entering the Sables chase at Leopardstown, but that would be a long shot as well. That, that, and that'd, that'd be up in the right way around, but up and trip again. If you're going to go up and trip, he'd, he'd stay closer to home, I'd say. So um, this could be one for the, for the hashtag straight to Cheltenham. Um, God bless oh. us. But um, yeah, I know. Yeah, it's a bit, a bit of a dose. But look at if that's if the this program book, Vanessa, we clearly need more graded races in this program. There's no options, <laughs> no options for the poor man. Um. But look, at uh, I, I was actually really impressed with him. It was the standout performance on the card in terms of the old clock. And, um, you know, it was a contested lead. The whacker um, didn't really leave him alone much of the way. Um, the whacker um, fell out the back of the telly, came back lame. Hopefully he's OK. He got struck into, I believe. Um, but I, I thought it was really good. And, um, you know, at the time we were all, well, the, the general perception of the Turners last year was to crab it. Um, those that were prominent seemed to be favoured. And what do you get? Uh, the one two come out, run in, the, in, in a super competitive handicap chase and finish one two again. So uh, perception doesn't always uh, tally up with reality. It was clearly um, a bit stronger than it was given credit for at the time. And um, yeah, Alaho. That it'd be a, it'd be a fair matchup now because we don't know if Alaho's back to his best yet. Um, I, I, Blake Bet now I haven't considered it, um, ever so briefly. Blake Bet is probably going a shade, uh, probably more than a shade of odds on that we get a hashtag straight to Cheltenham with uh, oh. with straight with stage star. But um, we'll see. Paul might come up with something creative. Could he go back in trip? I wonder. Um, he could go to the Clarence House if he wanted to. That might be an interesting option. Um, that might be on the art of game right handed. Uh, of course, yeah. What am I saying? A game spares Newbury left-handed. That's yeah. That, that's pretty much his options. I'd say straight to Cheltenham, is it? 
Oh, God. Okay. Um, just before we move on from Open Chasers, Brendan, just a quick word from you on Melina Girl at Cheltenham for the Gavin Cromwell yard. Um, she really, she was very impressive, wasn't she? Mm. The way in which she travelled into that handicap chase uh, very nicely indeed and went away and won it very eye-catching. She's been introduced at 50 to 1 for a Grand National tilt. Yeah, you, I, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what Gavin does because she's only six, a really strong, strong traveling performance and indeed a strong staying performance. That was off 135. Number 34 in the national last year was 143. So they'll have to see. I would guess she'll get something around 141, 142 uh, after the weekend. So then there'll be a real dilemma. Do we decide to run her over hurdles to preserve the mark and maybe don't get into the national? I mean, they can always just go for the Scottish National like like they did last year. She's had plenty of runs, actually. She's had 26 runs or something in her career for a, a mare who's, who's only six, but uh, clearly thriving on her racing. And if, if she did get into a National, I mean, you give her a chance to stay. And I've, I mean, I've mentioned this before, how many horses actually stayed at Grand National Trip? Not that many. She's not guaranteed to stay by any means, but she, she was certainly a very strong stayer over an extended trip in Cheltenham on deep ground at the weekend you'd, you'd, you'd be encouraged on that front okay and then the other horse that was cut for the Grand National was Coco Beach having won the Troy Town it's been cut to 33 to 1 from 50s for the Gordon Elliott Yard and we might as well discuss the issue with well the outrage there was outrage wasn't there Kep in regards to Gordon having was it 15 in the Troy Town in the end he managed to um. win it he didn't have the favourite, though, but he did manage to win it with Coco Beach. Come on, where do we stand with this? Can everyone just end to have many of the horses they like in every race? Should there be a cap? People are on both sides of the fence here. Where do you stand, Kev? If you've got the horses, surely you're allowed to enter them. Uh, yeah, but look, as we stand, it's not Gordon's fault, clearly. Um, it, it's clearly mental and really, like you know, it's not the, it's not what you want. Um, it's pretty indicative of the, you know, what we've all known for a long time, that there is a massive issue in, in Irish racing in particular with polarisation in the training ranks. Um, only four trainers really count at the top end. Um, and you, you hammer that down at the minute with Willie being a little bit quiet, like Gordon has just been utterly dominant. Um, when Willie rolls into town and starts really running them, you know, he'll be dominant. And it's just a bad look, really, isn't it? Um, again, not, not not a knock on Gordon. The rules are what they are. Um, but, you know, and I've never, I've never been really in favour of, like, a cap on declarations for a trainer or that. But I, I've been thinking about it a good bit now. I'm, I'm writing about it for my column this evening at the races. And... Um, you know, but my, my mind was drawn to to a comparison. Um, Brendan might be familiar with it. Golf's not really my game now, but I'm um, having read up on it. The the this this practice of tiger proofing that 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 came about when when Tiger Woods um erupted onto the scene and ripped up the Masters, won it by twelve shots, and mm -hmm. over the years that followed, um courses, um and the course executives started to tiger proof. The golf courses, they changed the holes, they made them longer, they made the fairways narrower, they they planted trees, wow. all with a view to 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 lessening the advantage that uh, the, the longer drivers had. Because I think Tiger was averaging like 25 yards longer than everyone else off the tee, which was like unheard of. And they had no qualms with going after like the biggest thing in golf in the interest of the greater good of competitiveness of the of the competitions. Um, like did it really work? I'm not sure. But no, it didn't. Made it less competitive. 
they were animated less interesting, I believe, as well, based on what I what I read. The master. Well, yeah, yeah. The, the 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 bunkers are in the wrong place in Augusta because they totally bastardized the course in this quest, and they, <laughs> they, they 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 can't buy any more land. That's the problem. Technology always uh, it, it goes faster than land. Uh, the land but, the, God, God's not making any more of it, you know. <laughs> but I suppose that I suppose the point is they they weren't. They didn't. They weren't afraid to go after the big, the big gun. Essentially, like unashamedly to try and make it more competitive. You know, other sports we we've got mechanisms there to try and stop this sort of situation happening. And look, clearly the authorities have been a bit asleep at the wheel in allowing it to get as polarized as it currently is. Um, would capping a trainer at four or five declarations per race make a meaningful difference? Like, I don't think it would be applicable all that often. It clearly would have been this weekend. And it probably would be in a few grade ones with Willie later in the season. So I don't think the impact on the ground would be would be regular, but it might just help to stimulate a bit more of a spreading around of the equine talent, which is ultimately what you want to happen. Because the problem is all the talent is yeah. concentrated in 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 two, three, maybe four hands. And if there was a thought from a big owner that uh, maybe I'm on. I get denied a run in, a, in, a, in an Irish Grand National if I have my horse with Gordon. It might just encourage them to, to consider sending him down the road to someone else, and it might help rebalance the thing. Um, yeah. look, there, there's other, there's other things that there's other ways they could go about tackling it. But having never really been in favour of that type of thing myself, I'm, I'm coming around to it, um, because I think we need to do something. Um, and look, Gordon made the point. Look, if I didn't run my fourteen or fifteen. There would only have been whatever seven runners in the race. There wouldn't. We know there would have been more, of course. Um, but it, it's not a great look. And look, if if the likes of a Tritown is so reliant on one trainer to, to fill up the field, there's something wrong with the Tritown. Would be would be okay. my um, would be my point. Um, and you know to, to broaden it out slightly, you look at the current entries for the Grade Ones, the upcoming Grade Ones in Ireland that are early closers. I don't think any of them have entries from more than 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 three or four trainers. So like there's clearly something like well, it's not a new it's not a new problem but really I think the racing authorities you know they, they need to kind of get on this because it's it, okay. it it's gone the wrong it's gone the wrong way in them. Interesting, and it, it sounds like you know as you as you pointed out there the golf comparison you know other sports haven't been afraid to make changes to try and level out the playing field. They should be paying him, shouldn't they? He, he would. You know, he had 17 of the 24 entries uh, at the five-day stage, 14 of the 20 uh, in the final analysis after a couple of non-runners. And the whole thing, it's never going to come into play for the simple reason is, I mean, it's very much shades of Aidan O'Brien on the flat, isn't it? And, you know, they're never going to do anything that impinges on JP McManus and stuff like that. I mean, he can have as many runners as he wants in a race, and that's never going to change. But if you think back to... Uh, you know, the say the Irish Derby and Owen O'Brien has got too many runners in that. If he didn't have the runners in it, there wouldn't be it would be a three, four runner field. And I just look back to the St. Ledger in in um you know September. He had four of the nine runners. And there's no way on earth these big these massive Irish owners are gonna be asked to limit their number of horses in a race. So people can moan about it as much as they want. It's never gonna happen, this limit. It, it, it just if you only apply it on jumps, McManus will put a block to that. If you try and put the limit on the flat, Aidan O'Brien and the lads will just say no, not happening. Yeah, like okay. I think the flat, the flat is the flat is different, but like I th that's why I, my, my in my own head I was thinking more trainers than owners. 
You Yeah. know, I, 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 you could never restrict an owner, but if you restrict the trainers, then it might incentivize the owners to 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 move them around a bit, and um and not be so full. I mean, we know the likes of JP has horses everywhere, but um other owners are very you know one trainer focused, big owners, and it might just encourage. Uh, look again, are we clutching a small bit? I probably, but the, like I think I think doing nothing. is definitely not going to help and the situation is actually getting worse and worse like I looked at some numbers last night like Willie's margin of victory in the trainers championship last season was the widest it's ever been you know the the like if if you, I have some numbers for this evening like if you look at the, the the amount of prize money that the top five trainers in the country win one last year compared to the next 95 on the list Like it's just it's so stark, and you compare that to what it was like. What that what that same ratio was like twenty years ago. Like it's absolutely flipped upside down, and Okay. and it's not it's not it's not healthy. It's not good for the spectacle. Um, you're not going to knock the lads for being brilliant at what they do, but you you can knock the authorities for being asleep at the wheel and allowing that to happen when pretty much every other sport has a mechan have has some sort of mechanism in place. So the number one people can't come in as owners and buy up. Um, buy up all the talent and number two that the competitors can't get a massive jump on everyone and make it uncompetitive because nobody wants to watch uncompetitive sport Vanessa No, that is very true indeed. And on that note, let's move on because actually one beginner's chase that was very competitive and was very interesting beforehand and proved to be so in the race as well was the beginner's chase where we saw Fasal Vega line up against In The Pocket, obviously grade one winners, caused a little bit of controversy. Well, I don't know, controversy, but there's quite a few opinions about this race, Brendan. Obviously, Fasal Vega Winning it has been cut to eleven to four from four to one for the Arkle, and in the pocket has been cut to six to one from eight for the Turners. Um, few people focusing in on the second more than the winner. What did you make about this beginners chase? Ah, yeah, I, I, I mean, it, you you could argue that in the pockets ride, Rachel gave it the same ride she gave Bob Ollinger, the same ride she gave Captain Guinness. It was that stalking trip, but he just wasn't good, wasn't good enough to come through. Now, very pleasing chase and debut. He jumped, he jumped really well. Facile Vega, God, if you wanted to be ultra critical, you'd say he was a bit clumsy at the first, but he certainly learned on the job. I, I thought his jumping was really good without town and having to ask him to do much. No surprise there. He's such a physical phenom. I mean, you never, you never get tired of looking at him and just thinking, how in the name of God did he come out of Comega? But anyway, I know. that's an aside. He was, he was on his toes a little bit in the parade ring, but that's the way he rode. So I thought he settled beautifully in the race, was particularly impressed with his jump at the second last when town had asked him to go and win the race, took off at the, but not at the wings, but It was, it was a very impressive jump and did put the race to bed. Um, all roads lead to the Arco. And again, a little bit like the, the champion chase. There aren't that many contenders for it, are, are there? Um, I, I suppose JPR1 showed up well uh, for, for the English contingent at the weekend. He's, an, he's another very good jumper, but God, he's an awful lot to make up on Fasal Vega on, on hurdles form. And based on the Navin performance, Fasal Vega is well able to jump. So... Uh, yeah, we'll take a bit of whack, and then the in, in the arc, and we wait and see what if Marine National uh, can adapt defenses as well. Yeah, very interesting. TC, do you have anything to add in? Uh, okay, or Kev? Yeah, I've got my pin out. I've got my pin out. Go on then. Um, Okay. I, I, yeah, I, I just wasn't as impressed with him. You know, we we set a high bar with these really good novices for their first spin over fences, and and it wasn't one of those that really lit me up. Um, I thought he was novicey early. Uh, like I thought he he was fine after, but like he he was a bit skewy there in places, and you know traveled great and won well. 
um, the runner-up was clearly given, you know, a, a very considered um, introduction over fences. I think that I think that's fair to say. Um, but I just wasn't blown away with Fasal Vega. I'd like to see. I'll be watching him very close next time now to in the hope of seeing a, a real good step forward in his technique. Um, want to you know if he's going to be running over two miles, you want to see him a bit, a bit, um, a, a bit braver. You know, a bit more, a bit more efficient. Um, yeah, I, I didn't, I wouldn't have given it a big score now out of 10 okay. uh, myself. So we'll wait and see what happens next time. Okay. Kevin, just out with that pin and that balloon. We like it though. We like the difference of opinions. Were you more or less impressed with American Mike who won another beginner's chase um, from fact to file as well? Lad at Navin too has been cut for the turners off the back of that. Obviously we know what he did in bumpers and then he's sort of slightly missing in action as a hurdler, maybe some excuses along the way in that novice campaign last year, but um, always like, I mean, it's a cliche, but I mean, this, it was always going to be his game and now he's got over fences. Were you taken with that performance, Kev? Um, slightly more, but again, oh. I'd be, I'd probably be more, 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 um, pinny than, um, than crazy. <laughs> if, if, if you know what I mean again like he, he was he was grand like I'm looking at my notes here literally grand um shade skewy naughty places um but good at the last uh, and good and strong up the run in which you know is in, in the bigger picture is the most important thing because he just wasn't um he wasn't convincing especially in the second half of last season and you could tell Gordon was cock a hoop to get him back on track um very important owner for him who hasn't had a whole heap of luck um, along the way, so th th this fellow would be a big hope for him. Um, so I I'd be more positive about it. Um, I suspect he will be better next time. Um, I suspect going up and trip again will probably be a help to him. But again, it wasn't one that that set off the that set off the fireworks in my brain now watching it. Um, which is disappointing because th those two maiden chases now, you know, on paper obviously had had loads of X factor about them, and I was hoping at least one horse between the two of them would put up like one of those real wow um introductions yeah. to chasing but but for me we didn't see it um don't think i'm being tough either um so yeah look on we go looking forward to seeing them out again i like it kev i like we don't want to get too overexcited unless a horse really deserves it um tc let's move on to the hurdlers that we saw in various different categories over the weekend just a quick mention for buddy one who's been introduced at 33s to the stayers hurdle market um that was off the back of winning the three mile handicap hurdle for the gilligans it's a wide open category and he was well backed wasn't he yeah yeah sixes in the morning went off at nine to four i think yeah um yeah, it was. I think it was value for more than the length win as well. Um, it's only a six-year-old. Like you said, it's a very weak division. Um, you know, he won that off 147. It's going to be rated in the low 150s. Progressive, unexposed at three miles. I've seen worse prices at 33 mm. stairs. Um, yeah. yeah, I was quite taken by it. Brendan, he, he's, he's start, well, another well, one. It's it's, yeah. uh, sorry to interrupt, but it's just that he started off in handicap hurdles in January, getting beaten off 109. So, I, I mean, it's just in a division where it does look like ripe for a changing of the guard, as I, I mentioned last week. 33 to 1 seems a chancy enough price that a horse is making that level of progression. Yeah, um, I don't want. I don't want to be tough though. But they, <laughs> when, a, when, a, when a horse improves fifty pounds, you would have hoped they would have won a real big one along the way. When they improve fifty pounds in a year, um, and in fairness, it does illustrate 
that it is geez those handicaps of the big festivals are tough like as this fellow was rocking up with, with you know with the benefit of hindsight like at least a stone in hand um to Cheltenham to Aintree to Galway and he got he got beaten all of them um you know it ran well but got beaten all of them um yeah those races are not easy <laughs> and if you're talking about a horse at that sort of price for the stayers, then a very similar price now applies to Bob Ollinger, Brendan, having got back to winning ways in Navin as well, um, has been cut from 40s to that 33s mark currently, mm. but also cut for the Ryanair. Obviously, we know everything mm. about Bob Ollinger at this point, what he did early in his career, missing an action a little bit in more recent times. Back to winning ways, which was must have come as a huge relief to all those around him. Great to see him back. And actually, it ties in. I don't know if you heard it or watched it, Brendan, but it was a conversation I had with Ruby and Rachel as part of the Betfair content ahead of the season. And they were talking about horses, you know, getting back to what they mm. used to be able to do. And, you know, Ruby just fleshing out how they can go missing in action for over a season over a year and with the right training can come back to better and beyond he, he was just sort of talking through that process are we going to expect this now from Bob Ollinger or is he too inconsistent for us to trust this form well I mean it was a very encouraging run he's beaten a race fit Zana here that that looks legit form again it, it just I, I could name 50 things I got wrong this weekend. I suppose I got one thing wrong about, uh, or one thing right about Bob Ollinger. I thought he'd travel up like Joe Joyce, but then I assumed when he came off the bridle, he'd find absolutely nothing. But he didn't. He had to really dig in and, and, and fight uh, more encouragement. So maybe it, it, it was more a physical issue than a mental issue, and they've ironed it out. De Bromhead has them flying at the moment. I suppose that helps. In terms of the stairs hurdle, he, he is improving over three miles. Thank thank the Lord there's no Ryanair hurdle for him to be targeted at. So I suppose if he is if he is gonna only stay a matter over, of time, Brendan. Only uh, a matter of time. Yeah, if, if if he if he is gonna stay over hurdles, he's gonna have to try the the the, the stairs hurdle and maybe go for that uh, race at, at Christmas in Leopardstown that, that that he disappointed in before. Um I would have my reservations. I'm inclined to kind of have a blank view that oh they never come back which is right 99 times out of 100 but uh, Ruby knows more about the game than I do and hopefully Bob Ollinger is the exception that can prove my very blank rule Yeah, I think he might be a bit of a Goldilocks horse I like I took the, and now and I, and I don't I think it might be tough to judge him on last season because I, I read between the lines they just weren't happy with him but my, my view last season was that a mid-range trip might be best for him and they went very slow there, like home by the Lee made the running. Like he's not a front runner as such, and he just wasn't able to go a, a proper gallop. Um, so like the emphasis was on speed at two and a half miles. Uh, great to see him find as he did, and he was well on top of the line. But like I, I don't know if he wants three miles, and I don't know if he's quick enough for two miles. So I'd say that they'd love to try and keep him around two and a half if they could at all. But um, interested to see where he goes. I'd be skeptical, like Brendan. Now I think that the horse has had a fair old has had fair old problems since he looked as good as he did as as a novice. So we'll wait and see, but um, I'd say they'd love to keep him to a mid-range trip for as long as they can. Okay. Uh, last couple of horses to mention before we move on to news, which, as I said earlier at the top of the show, we've got plenty to get through and some interesting stories too. So, Kev, just a quick line from you on Croke Park, who's been a mover in the novice hurdle divisions off the back, uh, making it two from two over hurdles, graded race at Navin in the bag. You wanted to mention, and I felt like he was a little bit uninspiring. He'd have been cut from this running order, but you said no. 
Yeah, he was a little bit workman like he uh, Gordon had the, the first four home <laughs> um, and Grog Park led them home. Um but I like I I don't think the race played in a way that, that showed him the best effect. Like he, he's a he's a big, big boy and he was bottled up and behind them for, for much of the race. Like I'd say when when he's allowed to use himself a bit more in a in a more strongly run race, he'll be better again. Um, I, I was actually watching the race here at Goffs and um, Eddie O'Leary was beside me and I, so I got his immediate post-race thoughts and he, he was of the same view like I said yeah just yeah job done but you know he, he's better than that he just he's a, he's a big boy that just needs more more use made of him probably so um, I, I'm i sure there'll be plenty of um, people damning him with faint praise after that but I would very much remain open to seeing um, quite a bit better from him I, I remember speaking to Gordon last week even he was saying like it might not be too long before he's up to three miles. Um, so yeah, I I I wouldn't be knocking him too much myself. All right. And then last horse to mention comes to you, Brendan Duke. It's only right because he's already had a mention in the top of the show, and the love affair with the boy Cobden continues. Bedette Road has been cut for the triumph hurdle to seven yeah. to one now from twenties. The Royal Ascot yeah. winner, Golden Gates winner, now two from two over hurdles, but he's not the finished article. And he can be keen. He jumps with a bit of a lack of respect for his hurdles. Yes. Once again, I can see he's got the engine. He's the flat horse we all want in a triumph, et cetera, et cetera. But seven to one at this time of year when we know how much the triumph hurdle market changes. Well, it's it, it, it's almost uh, like you were peering over my shoulder at a WhatsApp conversation I had post-race with the man who said to me, 12 to 1, are you kidding? That's a wild price. Because I was like you, I thought 12 to 1 sounds about right to me. Um, mm-hmm. But he, he is into 7 to 1. So uh, the, the consensus of opinion was that the 12s was too big. Um, it, he settled better than he did in Huntington. That was that, that, that was encouraging. He jumped slightly better than in Huntington. Now, he did jump terribly in Huntington. He was wasn't great. He wasn't great at Cheltenham, made plenty of mistakes. Um, I suppose based on his platform, he was a better horse on better ground. That would encourage you, 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 you for the spring. Uh, he is was a 100-rated horse on the flat, despite not having a massive amount of run. So he, he, he does have that latent flat speed, which, which, which would be an advantage to him. They're the positives. The negatives are the jumping. And what what has Willie got? I mean, the, the likelihood is that we haven't even, <laughs> we haven't even seen the, the, the Triumph Hurdle winner. So he probably I, hasn't even seen the Triumph Hurdle yes, winner. Quite, 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 <laughs> he's probably got about 30 juveniles at home. Yeah, yeah. And, lit, and, lit, and 25 of them have like won around all toy last April and cost half a million. And they're, they're just, he's just getting them going through the gears now. They're all going to appear in December yeah. and January. In isolation, the sevens you know, isn't a bad price given the the flat pedigree and stuff like that. But there's no scope for that horse to shorten dramatically, isn't it? If he, if he stays over where he goes to Chenton, uh, Kempton or goes for the Adonis, mm. you know, where, you know, he was the Adonis last year when Nuzrit come over, you know, a second grade kind of like Triumph Hurdle horse, come over and, and chinned all our best ones there. Mm-hmm. Um, no, the sevens, sevens has got to go out, isn't it? Surely, because, like, you know, when... Even when Gordon comes out with some of his better ones as well, I mean, you know, yeah, uh, they okay. Uh, February at the start of every year, um, like you know, kind of like uh, Willie's got about the first four or five in the betting, and that probably happened again, wouldn't it? 
Right. Let's move on to some news topics, because as I said, we've got some obvious stories and some less obvious stories to cover, but plenty of them. TC, I'm starting with you. We are sticking with the action at Cheltenham, focusing in on Billy Coonan's ride on Reed to Return for Tony Martin. Uh, went off favourite in one of the amateur races and has got a 20-day ban under the non-trial rule. Now, the jockey and trainer blame inexperience. The stewards were having none of it. It's up at the high end of the band they could have given him. Um, I mean, when you watch the race back, it is an extraordinarily bad ride, right? Yeah. Um, the, there was nothing in the bay that suggested it was It was kind of like deliberate. Um, you're just dealing with a very inexperienced jockey um, who just got it very, very badly wrong. I mean, I don't know anything about him, but like you said, he's got a very sparse record. Um, very, very quiet in the saddle, isn't he? I mean, it looked an absolute shocker. And the trainer wasn't defending him in the stewards afterwards. Um, he said he basically said he wasn't happy with the ride whatsoever. Uh, and that's why they, you know, they gave him a maximum, well, they gave him a maximum 21-day ban and took a day off for, for a reason I can't recall. But yeah, I, I just think it was incompetence rather than rather than kind of like anything deliberate but yeah it, it looked it looked horrendous didn't it? it it looked really bad brendan would you be in agreement or do you think it was uh non-trier essentially no no i don't the, the, the betting would be the, my go-to guide on that and i think it was just a bit of a perfect storm as well i mean the start was a mess for a start it, it, should, it should never have been a start he gets stuck down on the inside the horse didn't jump particularly well on the first circuit was inclined to jump right and clouded a couple did jump better on the second circuit it, the jockey didn't seem to be awake to to to, to what was happening and I, I'm conscious of the fact that he's inexperienced and Tony Martin, well Irish racing in particular uh, Irish racing in general should I say and Tony Martin in particular the biggest crime you can commit is asking a horse to do too much too soon they go they, they, they go wild over that so Martin would have sent him out in his head and said take your time, this is very deep ground, an extended trip they'll come back to you, don't panic and then he, he sort of found himself so far back that he starts to ride him turning for home, but not as vigorously as he as he as he really should have. Never picked the stick up to him until after the last gave him gave him three backhanders. And I'd also say that the horse is a little bit tricky. That like he 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 just got chinned in, in Roscommon. Uh, and the jockey didn't pick up the stick to him late. They never picked up the stick to him when he won in Killarney. Granted, he bolted up, but he's a slightly awkward head carriage as well. I just think there were so many factors. But having talked to Tony about this before, and I suppose what the hell are the stewards supposed to be? This is a pro. This is a favourite on a high-profile day. If you back that horse, you haven't had a run for your money. So whether it's incompetence or, or, or non-trying, I certainly don't think it was non-trying. I suppose you have to draw the book at them. Jeez, I think you're harsh. I think you're harsh. <laughs> Jesus, I thought this was harsh now. I thought this was harsh. I, to me, the horse got, got a bit outpaced. The, 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 you don't want to be throwing the lad under the bus now, but like he's, I, I don't know at this stage of his career how, how, much, how much more vigorous he's capable of being and like the horse isn't straightforward it just it just it wasn't easy on the eye but i don't think there was anything going on like you know and ultimately he's banned under under the non-triers rule and i, yeah, personally, think that, that, I personally think that's wrong um gee like and then not to be that guy like by mother of god we all see worse than that i think um you know from far more um capable jockeys 
and most days of the week and it gets it, it get it gets ignored. Um I, I thought it was really tough. Um I thought it was really tough myself. They should appeal. Um if if I was them I definitely would appeal. Um look but look I, I look fully understand not easy on the eye, but look you, you have to go in with your eyes open into an amateur jockey's handicap chase, you know. Um, um and but like the real what the inquiry really should have been into was the start. As Brendan alluded to there, like if you, if you want to laugh, if you didn't see it live, go back and watch the replay of the race and you can hear, on, uh, when I'm watching the replay of the race and post, you can hear Lydia Hislop and um, Jonathan Eason, I think it is, you know, talking over the pictures as they come in towards the starter. And like, it's clearly an absolute mess and they both comment out, clearly not going to be a start here. <laughs> the flag goes down the way they go and the two of them at the same time go, oh, <laughs> I hope they let them go. It's just, I, I just thought it was incredible. And I know, look, to, to, to give the play, to, to be a bit empathetic with the starter, you're dealing with amateurs. Again, like it's, it's an amateur race. Don't hold them to professional standards. Um, and I'm sure that there might have been a bit going on in terms of the communication, but Christ, it looked awful. Um, Yeah, the, I, I'd be I'd be having a closer look at the start in terms of in, looking into rights and wrongs than, um, than old Billy Coonan, who um, has had a pretty miserable experience there for himself. And... Uh, has gone into the stewards and got, got absolutely drop kicked, which I th thought was pretty unfair myself. Okay. Um, well, we've covered that then. We will move on though, because we'll just stick with Cheltenham very briefly, TC, because this story, uh, well, it's not really a story, but it's something that's been brought to your attention in regards to ticket collection chaos at Cheltenham, apparently. Obviously, their big November meeting. I was there Friday. It was very busy. Saturday looked ram-packed. Sunday looked very quiet indeed. Um, but people having issues getting in, apparently, which is a bit disappointing. Yeah, a guy called David Skelton on Twitter got in touch um, and he said, great racing at Cheltenham today, Saturday, but some logistical issues drying out. A, a one and a half hour queue for people picking up pre-booked pre tickets. Many, many missed several races. Why not just give people mobile, uh, mobile barcodes? Wi-Fi was poor at best as well one for weighed in um if that's right and people are waiting an hour and a half to pick up pre-booked tickets i mean that's that's just unacceptable isn't it um and it's not it's basically the course have got to do something about that if, if that's the case yeah i i like I say, it's not something that come across my radar, but it is interesting feedback. Maybe someone else yeah, will get involved. You never, you never take negative stories, do you? But, um, you know, for, for a race-going experience, if you're just sitting there uh, waiting for an hour and a half to, to pick up your tickets, it's, it's just... And do you, only, do you only have the option of a physical ticket? Because I've had tickets for Cheltenham on my phone before. Is it something... No, print them off or, or codes, yeah. Yeah, they must yeah. have QR code tickets, surely. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like some, I said, some, some people just some people just never change, Vanessa. They 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 need the paper in their hand. It but it, if it's an hour and a half queue, presumably he's not alone. Oh well, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, now one of the stories of the week Kev, was the retirement news of Dennis O'Regan. Not necessarily a surprise. Obviously, one of the older members of the weighing room and capped off riding a winner at every track in the UK and Ireland by winning at Hereford. Uh, that was last week, wasn't it? So he's completed, he's ticked all of those boxes and then he's retired a few days later. He um, obviously, you know, an incredibly gifted jockey, festival wins, grade one wins for multiple trainers. But above all else, he's sort of one of the people I really think of in the weighing room as like a true horseman you know kind of that like Davy Russell type vibe of a real true at one with the horse 
Yeah, a bit, a bit of the Carberry is about him that way, I'd say. Um, and look, this is brilliant. You know, you you love to see um, veteran jump jockeys going out on their own terms, healthy. Um, like, it, it, it's not everyone is lucky enough to do that. It was great that he got that milestone that he was clearly after um, by riding the winner at Hereford. Um, and I thought it was lovely to do it, you know, you know, back, you know, back in Ireland um, with the family there, etc., fantastic um wonderful career like you go back through the the big race winners he's obviously went through kind of many different um phases in his career like you you, you can go back to howard johnson there and he used obviously used to ride some absolute belters of horses going back nearly 20 years now um but fantastic is the nutshell there love to see it um hope he finds something that makes him just as happy um out of the saddle as being in the saddle made him and the very best of luck to him He's going to have to come back Frankie-like, isn't he, when Chelms will open up their turf course? <laughs> every time every time a new course opens up, he's going to have to come back, isn't he? He'd be fit enough anyway. He keeps himself in really good nick. He's actually, just a, just as an aside, because you know how much I love name dropping, I, I am a keen passenger and I have a vast network of drivers. And I, I suppose technically, I mean, the, like the drivers are delighted to have me. I give very good morale from the passenger seat. But uh, I suppose technically... <laughs> The boy O'Regan is part of my network of drivers because he dropped me to a wedding once. Oh, wow. He came across really well. And there was a good interview with Gary O'Brien on racing. Oh, team. he thinks about the game. Yeah, he thinks about the yeah, game. He came across really, really well. Yeah, definite good guy alert. And we wish him the very Probably be, be, be another one of these jockeys now that will come into the media and try and, try and take <laughs> poor, poor hard-working media types. There's literally no room for anybody else, isn't there? I don't know why ITV do it. I mean, they must dread, they must dread the fact that all these jockeys retire. They've got to fit him in now. Put someone else on the roster. I love to see it. I think some of them really come into their own, others less so. But um, You won't say that when they come in and take your shifts, Vanessa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, there is that. There is that. No, um, I think Dennis is one of those people, you, I don't know, I obviously don't know him personally, but from what I've seen of him, I wouldn't worry about him in retirement. I feel like he's got the brain. And as Kevin said, he's come out of the game in one piece, so he's going to kick on to something else, isn't he? And he'll probably be very good at it. Um, now... Other stories, this French story, I can completely confess I'm not across, but Catherine Ford on Twitter was flagging up that in France we've had a horse thrown out for overuse of the, well, the jockey using the whip over 10 times. So a first time of disqualification has come into play Um because of those new whip rules, essentially, in France. This was jockey Johnny Sharon, I think it was, went over 10 times with whip at all toy. And, oh, Tony's pulling a no, no, Was he the guy that was totally inept on gold tweet in the stairs hurdle? Was he? I don't know, but the idea that... The idea that 10 he, seconds. The no. idea that he hit horse any horse ten times. Well, I don't think he's hit horse ten times. And he, that's him. Yeah, that's him. Oh, <laughs> I mean, he was like the weakest baby's piss there, wasn't he? Was like, <laughs> but what? I wish he would have been like that. Wit happy at Cheltenham last year. We would all copped on our suspension, Johnny <laughs> should have got the cosh out at, at Cheltenham Festival, not wait until France. Uh, well, he's, 
he's obviously got a handle on how to use it anyway but um yeah first time first time we've seen one of these in france anyway and obviously we've had very very we've only had i think one example in an amateur race over here in the uk it's something we feared would happen when you bring in you know number of strike restrictions and disqualification and it's been so that we haven't seen much of this so a rare one-off we hope yeah, a bit, bit mental. Like, I don't know how it happens. Like, I, I, I honestly don't know how it happens. Like, when, when they brought in the disqualifications, I was one of those of the view, like, this will never happen. Like, they surely can't. Like, whatever about maybe losing count and not being sure if you're one over, maybe two over, but to, but to keep on whack-a-looning away there um, sufficiently to get a disqualification, it's just um, you, you're in you're in absolute brain fade territory there, aren't you? Um, so so pretty disappointing that um, that a professional would would do it, uh, and look, we all make mistakes, but um, that 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 that's pretty that that's pretty um, that's pretty a uh, pretty severe mistake to make. So yeah, disappointing to see it. I shouldn't laugh and smile. Um, hopefully we don't see any of it um over this neck of the woods. But um, look, the rules are there to deter, and mm. um, they do in most cases. But this time, for whatever reason, he uh, Johnny lost the run of himself. Now, Brendan, we will move on to the next story, which, which involves um, the Arena Racecourse Company and Newcastle, um, because they've dropped an, an additional meeting has been put on on Sunday um, up at Newcastle. And this meeting came under severe criticism from a few people within the racing community, people who work in our industry, not happy that this meeting has been put on. Um, sort of a backlash predominantly surrounding Graham Lee's accident. Um, obviously, our thoughts very much still with Graham Lee, who is in hospital, and we've we've covered that on the podcast last week, and we've been following the updates um, with obvious interest and our thoughts clearly with him at this time. But this Newcastle meeting seems to have ruffled a few feathers and people, because of the Graham Lee incident and the fact that he is still in hospital but for me personally i'm i don't see the link between the two racing still has to carry on right brendan well i mean i mean it's it's that straightforward uh it it, it seems to me but vanessa the, the the big ball keeps on on turning i mean you, you, you could have I suppose you, you you could have a week of mourning, like when the Queen goes or something, and not have have any racing. But I, I certainly wouldn't be in favour of that. And I, I don't think Graham Lee would be in favour of that. Uh, he, jockeys by the sports people, as I mentioned before, are very, very resilient people. And uh, they, they understand that they're, they're in a tough game and a, and a tough world and that, that, that things happen. But they also know that people's livelihoods are depending on, on the game keeping going. So... Yeah, I couldn't understand it like you. And also, the, the the fixture was reasonably well, you know, well attended, wasn't it? By by you know trainers and owners. I mean, four of the races had twelve runners, so there was clearly demand for the for the new fixture in it, and it pretty much filled better than a lot of a lot of uh, meetings do. So yeah, I didn't get it as well. I mean, no, Hanotti kicked it off um, on Twitter, and Paul Strubbers agreed with him and. But as someone said, if it wasn't uh, if it was a racing TV track, Hannity would have said "fuck all." So I tend to, I tend to go along with that. Yeah, yeah like, I'd be the same. Like, missing, I, I, am, am I missing something here? Am I being insensitive? Are we missing something here? No, no not there's, at all. There's like, no I, fault I, with I, the track, but you know what what happened to Graham was there? Um, no, but no. I, I I I didn't I didn't I didn't join the dots either. 
I don't. No, look, I, 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 I don't see the link. Uh, I thought it was a small bit bizarre, but look, there, there's a lot of people um hurting over what happened, Graham, and when you're when you're emotionally, um, you know, you know, not not in a great place because of something like that, you you can you can do and say things that you might look back on uh, the benefit of hindsight and say maybe. I was a bit over the top there. Um, I, I don't see it myself. Um, I don't think there was anything wrong with putting the meeting on. If individuals didn't want to participate for their own reasons, um, they absolutely didn't have to. Um, yeah. uh, and yeah, that was it. Um, you know, the runner numbers were were good, and um, on, on we go. Um, like you say, thoughts remain with Graham, not to be insensitive to him, but of course, but I don't think anyone is. Uh, I don't think anyone was. Um, I don't see the link. Um, on we go. Okay, um, on we go indeed, on we go on this show. And last couple of last stories to comment on. This one um, came out in the week in regards to Mick Appleby's husband and assistant trainer, Johnny Clayton, has been suspended for 12 weeks for being found to have engaged in um, prejudicial conduct by con contributing to a, horse's, a horse sustaining a significant jaw injury after Johnny lost his temper. That's the top line of the Racing Post story. Um, 12 weeks for this was reported to the BHA from someone within the yard. And this Philly, as that article, that article fully on the Racing Post website, currently you can go and read that and hear the details of the injury injury to the Philly. Um, TCI was, you threw this into the mix for a talking point and suggesting that 12 weeks isn't enough. It has been said, as you would expect, that this is apparently very out of character for um, Johnny to behave like this. Clearly had an incident with what sounds like a very tricky Philly, but that doesn't excuse losing your temper with any animal. Um you were surprised by the twelve weeks. I wasn't. I was. I was just putting it out there for discussion. I didn't know yeah. whether it was overly harsh or very, very lenient. To be perfectly honest with you, but I think we all know perception is everything now, and it did. It sounded a bit rancid, didn't it? I mean, when you read the Racing Post story, and it was, you know, Mick Appleby's partner, assistant trainer, uh, one of the one of the stable staff that obviously saw it felt so strongly about it that he, you know, actually went to the BHA and, uh, about this. And so I just think it must have been very, very serious and quite upsetting to people there for, for someone within the stable to go out there and, and fair play to them to go out there, like I said, and report this. So I just think in the current climate, 12 weeks with that kind of like horse welfare massively on the agenda is three months enough. I'm not sure. Also, sure. sorry, excuse my ignorance. When you, if you live and work on a yard, twelve, a twelve week suspension. What's that suspension from? I'm assuming he won't, he won't be allowed to work in the yard, no. I mean, he obviously can't go racing. Kev, do you? Does that mean he's not allowed on the yard? Is it? I'm honestly not sure. I'm honestly not sure. Um, but look, like, like, you know, I wasn't there. No, no one saw it. By the people that were there, it must have been very severe. Um, because look, if we know anyone that, that deals with horses on the ground, you know it would be uh, it would be couldn't be more common if 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 the horse that you're leading is isn't listening, you know, to give them a little chug with with the lead rein, you know, on 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 the bit to to say, hey, look, listen, you know, pay attention, do what I'm asking you to do, and if he has done that to such an an extreme 
extent that he's injured the the horse's jaw and mouth etc like it must have been it must have been very severe and the horse was seemingly playing up quite badly but that isn't an excuse um so i i'm going to assume that this was like a, 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 a quite an extreme case and um and like you say fair play to the the staff for reporting it that wouldn't have been easy um in a in a you know relatively small team situation um is it is it severe is it lenient it's a hard one there's not a there's not a great um there's not a great bar for us to judge it on in terms of things that happen behind closed doors. You know, we're more accustomed to things like this when they play out in public. You know, we 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 can we can judge it a bit more easily in terms of what 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 the right punishment is. But um, not a case you want to be reading about. Um, and yeah, hopefully, uh, as Brendan says, um, lessons will be learned. And um, on we go because you can't be doing that. Yeah. Um, TC, sorry, I've only just seen your message in the on the group in relation to Newcastle. I moved away from it swiftly, but you just had one thing to add, not in relation to what we've just been talking about, but to do with prize money. Yeah, um, Nick Alexandra, trainer, uh, based up north, might be in Scotland, um, went on Twitter earlier in the week and just bemoaned the the, you know, the level of prize money at Newcastle's first jumps fixture on for this Thursday. Um are apparently made a commitment to have a minimum prize money value of 75 grand at all their tracks last year. And he just wanted to know whether the BHA or ARC reneged on that because he said the Newcastle prize money on Thursday is 36% down on that. Um, someone flagged up to me, said, can you bring it up on the, bring it up on the, uh, the program? So I went back to Nick and I said, well, if it's that bad, why have you got five entries? I mean, surely that kind of, if you're supporting the fixture, then what's the incentive for Ark to, to not do that? And he said, well, I'm probably going to run two of my five. Um, and he, he just said, he just said, you know, the lack of transparency with the media payments rights and the prize money. He just wanted to know how this 30% reduction happened. Has something happened behind the scenes where this 75 grand commitment has gone? Um, it, it, all, it all comes back to doesn't it? Everyone, every you know, the owners and trainers, and uh, they all come back to the, with this media rights payments. And you know, we don't know how much the courses are getting, and it's not filtering down to prize money in all the cases. But uh, so I, I'm happy to raise it uh, for Nick. Nick just said the media kind of ignore it, but as I put to him, I mean, if he himself is supporting that fixture, where's the incentive for Art to, to put on a, a extra prize money because? The entries look all right to me, but uh, okay. Yeah. Well, on that note, we are going to have to wrap up the show. I think we've covered pretty much everything uh, we were asked to discuss. Brendan, you're pulling a face like you've got something you'd like to say. No, 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 I haven't. I'm just wondering how you're. you're I talked about Alaho being the gatekeeper. You are the timekeeper. How did you get on today? Uh, I'm two minutes over. Well, it's it's a okay. good job I didn't start on the tote uh, shenanigans last Wednesday over here and in the US. Otherwise, no, no. it's about two hours. Cut, cut. Uh, we're two <laughs> minutes over, Brendan, but I'm doing my best, as always. Oh, good job. Good I'm job. trying my best. I did want to mention the fact that we, we no, no Frankie Dettori in, in the jungle currently. That started yesterday. Not that any of you three would have been watching that, but yeah, I'm a celebrity. Is it, why isn't he in there? What? Why isn't he in there? Your guess is as good as mine. I think he'll be a late entry, which makes his chance of winning probably much reduced because the winners tend to be the ones that are in there from the beginning because they have more of a following. Uh, he's obviously down under currently. I would say he has other commitments in whatever guise. 
And as a result, he is yet to go in. I did hear as well, is it the, the ride on Kin Ross falls on the last day or something? In Hong Kong. I was going to say that. Someone said this to me and I, go, <laughs> yeah. I, I can't vouch for it because Lord knows I didn't fact check it. But they said that uh, the last day of it would coincide with Hong Kong. So he'll be the biggest non-trier of all time. <laughs> non-trier of all want, time. Anyway. The, the hilarious thing is if he was really clever, he'd uh, he'd plant a few stories in the press there. You know, to 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 this effect, oh, Frankie, you know, clearly doesn't want to stay in. Of course, what will happen if people know that? They'll keep voting to keep him in. So it'll be an absolute yeah. uh, work, of, work of art if that's what I will have to stop watching if there's a betting angle. This lady up. There's always a betting angle. There's always a betting angle. But on that note, we must wrap it up. Uh, Frankie may well be joining the jungle in the next few weeks, but he's not in there yet. That story will roll on, as will plenty of the other things we have discussed so far on the show. But on that note, I must say goodbye. It is, of course, Betfair Chase Week up at Haydock on Saturday. We look forward to that. We've got, is it five at the moment? Five Six. in there at the moment? Six. Yeah. And we will be discussing the big race day up at Haydock on Saturday on Racing Only Better on Thursday. But for now, everyone, thank you very much for your contribution. Join us again on Thursday. Have a good week. That was Wade in. <laughs> <laughs>